Hey everyone, um, I've gotten a lot of very similar questions uh, about how to get started as a trader and what my experiences were and how much I needed and how long it took and, and that sort of thing. So I'm just going to combine a whole bunch of these questions all into this one video. Um, you know, there's only so much you can do on TikTok. You're fairly limited with, you know, 60 seconds. When, when people are asking me these large scale questions like how long, how much, how, how, um, how do you do it? How do you take out for surviving bills and stuff like that? There isn't so much that I can do in 60 seconds. So it's better to just come on here on YouTube and give a more full length answer. Um, but first I want to give a little bit of backstory to this whole thing. So you understand how I'm able to do this and how it works for me. Um, if you're new, I'm, I'm just going to assume that most people watching this are new on my page because this last few weeks, um, thanks to GameStop, AMC, Reddit, Wall Street Bets, has blown up my TikTok page. I went from 36,000 followers um, to over 100,000 in like two days. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm working my way through these comments, um, but I'm also understanding that people are new and they don't know me and all that stuff. The question is, how do you get started? And I want to give you some background. When I was 18, I wanted to be a professional wrestler. I didn't want to go to college. I had tunnel vision. I wanted to be this wrestler. So I go off to wrestling school. I break my back. I come home. I'm, I'm pretty much bedridden and didn't have operation, but I'm pretty much bedridden for about six months. Mix in a little depressed too. And um, finally my mom goes, all right, dude, it's either to work or to school for you. And I chose work and um, worked in the restaurant industry, the fitness industry. But over those many, many years, and this is important to understand here, my mom moved to New York City for work and then eventually to take care of my grandma. And so my mom is off in New York City and we never knew if she was going to be coming home quickly, if she was only going to be gone for a little bit. So my mom didn't want tenants, right? Because if she had to come home suddenly for something, she didn't want to lose, you know, lose her, uh, her, her home. So she said, look, you just stay in the home. I was living with her anyway when I was 18. Uh, but she was just like, just stay in the house. I'll be back one day. And in the meantime, work. Maybe you'll get a career one day, maybe whatever. Um work, save your money, save as much as you can. Because when I do come home, you're out of here and you're going to need a down payment or money for rent or, or whatever. So save and work and save and work. And that's exactly what I did, but it makes it a little easier now. Um, when I explain how I eventually got started as a stock trader to give some context, right? And I think a lot of people see what I do and they go, well, that seems so freeing and you can control your own destiny and you can work from anywhere. And you don't have a commute, you don't have dry cleaning, you don't own a suit and tie, like you don't, you don't do that nine to five life, you don't have a micromanager breathing down your neck. Um, that's what I want. I would like to be a stock trader. And it, it's easier when you have few to no responsibilities to get started, because nobody's depending on you. You don't have a, a spouse, you don't have children, you don't have uh, pets, you don't have really any responsibilities and you're living basically at home, so you're not spending money on rent and anything like that. It makes it easier. It would definitely be a lot harder, I imagine, to get started as a stock trader, you know, in my, I'm 35, to get started as a stock trader when you're 35, um, because most people who are 35, I don't, but most people who are 35 are married and they have kids and they have homes in the suburbs that have big mortgages and they have, two, they have pets and they have responsibilities and they, they have student loan debts that they're still paying off and then their partner has their own student loans or debts. And so there's a lot that depends on guaranteed income. And if you're a stock trader, 
you don't have guaranteed income. And that can make that a lot harder to get started because, uh, you, you know, you have all these people depending on you. And so first thing that I had going for me was I was able to live at home. Second thing that I had going for me um, was that I had saved up all, I had worked, um, I worked in the restaurant for four, four years and I worked in the fitness industry for five years. Maybe, maybe those numbers are a little off, but just around, you know, just around maybe nine years total combined working in these two places. And um, that's a lot of money saved up. You know, I mean, when you think about it, it's minimum wage is what I was earning. Um, I earned more in the restaurant because I was a line cook, but minimum wage at the gym. So I worked in the restaurant industry first and I was pulling in around 10 to $12 an hour because it was a line cook. So they paid you a little more. And um, I was working double shifts. When I left that restaurant, I went to a different restaurant and I was a food runner there. I was paid, um, I, I don't believe I was paid minimum wage. I think I was paid like $4 an hour because I got tips. So that was more money that was able to go into the bank. And then when I left that restaurant industry for good and I went into the fitness industry, um, I, uh, I was being paid $7.25 an hour. Not very much. But when you're living at home and you have no expenses, no overhead, no responsibilities, you know, that's all money going into the bank. Plus all my friends had gone off to college. So during those college years, I was working all the time. I wasn't going out and partying. I, all my friends had moved away. Um, so I, I was working. I was working double shifts a lot. I was able to save up a lot of money doing that. Uh, and then by the time it was in the gym, uh, the fitness industry, um, I knew I needed to get out of that lifestyle. I didn't want it. I was watching the membership consultants who were so poorly treated. Like they would have three meetings a day. They would have a meeting in the morning to talk about what went wrong yesterday. Why didn't you sell enough memberships? Um, and then to look over their call log. How many people are you going to call today? What are your leads? Who are you following up with? Um, <coughs> Who is this person and why did they say they didn't want to join? Call them back, hound them, make them join, convince them to join. Um, and then the, the afternoon meeting would be um, like a progress report. And then the evening meeting would be where are you and what have you done and what have you not done and why not? And I just was like, I can't do this. Like they were asking me to do sales and I would have been a good membership salesperson. Um, but when you add in that element of like quotas and deadlines and and, um, and, and bonuses. And if you don't hit quota, you don't get a bonus and the managers don't get a bonus. So it was just a world that I was just like sitting back watching going like, I have no interest in this. And these guys are miserable. I remember times when the membership consultants couldn't leave. Um, the manager wouldn't let them go home unless they made a sale. Um, so they would, they would literally, the manager would go home and then the manager would call every hour did he, did, you know, put on the sales guy, put on the sales guy. Did you, did you sell that membership? No, then you don't get to go home yet. I don't even know if that's legal to do, but that was the culture. And so these sales guys would be, you know, at around 11 o'clock. I mean, come on, nobody's joining after, you know, um, at 11 o'clock, the sales guys would be, you know, finally would get permission from the manager to go home and they'd walk downstairs, like all like their shoulders hunched and they're like, you know, sad faces. And they'd be like, Good night, and I'd be like, oh man, like I could never do this. I'd be so miserable. Plus, I have an authority problem being told what to do, which is why being a stock trader is perfect for me because there's no micromanager. I remember, I'm, I'm ranting now, but I remember the manager standing behind me sometimes with the clipboard yelling at me for not answering the phone correctly. There's a laminated script. Why aren't you following the script? 
uh, or not tucking in my t-shirt, even though the desk came up to chest level. No one could see that my shirt was tucked in or not, um, or wearing those Adidas pants with the stripes down the side. Couldn't do that. They had to be all black pants or you got a write-up. Again, nobody can see my pants. I don't even have to be wearing them. You know, nobody can see below mid-chest. Why do we care so much? So I was always fighting with them and they were looking for a reason to fire me. And around that time, I had also started developing an interest in trading in stocks. So I say I've been a self-employed stock trader for 10 years because that's when I really broke out on my own. Um, but prior to that, so for about 12, 12 years ago, I was kind of getting a little interested or maybe even 13 years ago because there were these guys at my gym and I, I've talked about this before and they would talk about what stocks they were buying. And I knew nothing. I didn't know how to check charts. I didn't know how to look at earnings. I didn't know anything about that. All I did was look at these old guys who I assumed, assumed old equals wise. And I was like, I'm just gonna copy what they're doing and I'm gonna make lots of money and that's gonna be my ticket out of here. I don't have to know what I'm doing. I'm just gonna copy these smart guys. I'm gonna make tons of money and then I'll use that money to buy myself a little bit of time to figure out what I really wanna do with my life. The downside is I started losing a lot of money. <laughs> I started losing a lot. Um, and I don't, I don't mean small potatoes. I probably lost twenty, thirty thousand dollars uh, in these stocks, and I still have them in, in, in my portfolio. Um, I still have some of them because they just never came back up, and I'm not going to sell and take a, you know, take an eighty percent loss. Um, but they're there, still in my portfolio, probably as like reminders, like don't don't fuck this up. Um, anyway, what I learned was I like this. I'm intrigued by this. I don't know enough about this, um, but if I can learn a little bit, maybe this is something I can do so I can leave this gym. So I'd started dabbling a little bit. And I think this is also important to say that I had tons of money in savings, right? Because I had been living at home all these years. Even though I had lost probably 30 grand, I still had a sizable amount of cash in my, in my account because I was living at home and all of my friends either had graduated from college and then stayed where they were, or they had moved elsewhere all over the country. So you know, I had a smaller group of friends. I wasn't going out as much. I was working all the time and um, save, save, save. Because when my mom comes home, I'm going to have to move and I'm going to have to buy a place. So that was my thought process. Um, so I lived very below my means and I saved as much as I could because I don't want to be 23 or 25 or 26 living with my mommy. Um, so I, I saved and I, as a result, had a lot of money. Um, and I thought, you know, I'm doing everything wrong because I don't really know what I'm doing. But if I can do this correctly, this might be something I can do as a career. Hmm. Uh, and back then, you know, listening to strangers at your gym is the equivalent of listening to strangers on social media today. Someone comes out and goes, no, buy the stock, hold it. It's going places. And you listen to them. And I made that same mistake listening to strangers at my gym. So I have learned from my mistakes. But at the same time, 12 years ago, TikTok didn't exist, Instagram didn't exist, YouTube might have existed, but not in the way that it exists today with tutorials and videos and stuff like that. Um, so I was really on my own and I read a couple books and that was basically it. Books, by the way, are in the link for you if you're, if you're curious. Um, I read a couple books and I started trading with very small amounts of money because it wasn't about making money, it was about getting experience. And I know a lot of times traders just want to hit the ground running. I need to start making that big money right now. The best advice I have is start very small. Start small because it's not really about the 
profit initially, it's about the experience and the confidence that's gonna come. And also knowing how to check ego and check emotion and cut your losses. And when you're playing with the very small amounts of money, you're probably not gonna be able to cut your loss. You're probably not gonna cut your losses right away, right? Because you, you've got a lot of pride. Um, and it'll still help you though to see like, wow, if I had put in, you know, if I only put in a few hundred dollars on this trade, but if I had put in several thousand, this loss could have been substantial. So it gives you a little bit of perspective without wiping you out too much. So you're not, you're not losing, you know what I mean? You're, you're, you're not losing too much and you're still learning a valuable lesson and it'll teach you how to check your ego at the door because a lot of the time, you know, we, when we're new, especially we pick these stocks and what's the thought process there? I picked this stock. I researched it. This is my stock. I can't be wrong. I'm not going to sell because I don't want to be wrong. And so we end up holding these stocks and getting wiped out like I had done. So getting in the habit of being kind of like the Terminator and ruthless about it. Nope, this sucks. It's going south. I'm out. I'm out. And I always say this, but if you look at traders and you ask them what their earnings are versus their losses, earnings will be all over the map, right? Because stocks can run, they can pull back, whatever. You say, hey, what do you earn percentage-wise? 7%, 12%, 18%, 30%. They're all over the map. What do you lose? If you ask a trader what they lose and they're a good trader, it'll always be the same. 4%, 4%, 4%, 4%. 4%. 4%. Um, and, you know, sometimes maybe a little bit more. Sometimes you'll say, well, this stock historically has moved back 7% before going higher. So on this one, I lost 7% because it started going down. Maybe I even lost 8 or 9% because you know, whatever, um, th that happens. But historic, like generally speaking, your losses are gonna be kind of controlled and you won't be able to do that in the beginning. And here's why. When you get some big wins under your belt, you're gonna feel like a stock god. You really are gonna feel like a stock god. It's gonna go right to your head. You're gonna get beginner's luck. You're gonna get overly confident and you're gonna start throwing in more money and more money and more money. And maybe that luck continues for a little bit but on the first time that it goes south, you're gonna you're gonna feel like I can't be wrong here, because look at all the wins I've been racking up. I'm great at this. I can't be wrong here. I'm not gonna sell. And then you wipe out those gains that you had, and you end up taking a really big loss. <clears throat> I hope I'm not getting sick. <clears throat> it's not COVID. I promise. I wear my mask. <laughs> um, you you take your loss and and uh, and so the, a lot of the times these new traders they abandon everything they know when they get confident. Um, so I, I just wanted to give some background as to how I was able to get started. Uh, you know, in the sense that like if you have responsibilities and kids and a partner and a spouse and all that stuff, the downside to this job is that there is no guaranteed income. Right? Because it's not like you show up at Starbucks and you punch the clock and you get paid for your eight hours. It's not like you walk in into your salaried nine to five job and you and you you know you know what you're gonna earn. Um, this changes all the time. The thing about that that's important to also talk about is um, it's the ben the benefit it benefits you to have a lot of savings or at least enough to get you through because there will be months that are very quiet. There will be months that are very um, slow. There will be months where you make nothing. And there will also be months where you lose on the majority of your trades. 
So you need to be able to have a rainy day fund to carry you through that. The benefit for me when I was first starting out is that I didn't have a partner, a spouse, a wife. I didn't have kids. I didn't have pets. I didn't have rent or a mortgage hanging over me. I didn't have student loan debts that needed to be paid off because I didn't go to college. So, and I had savings and I had savings because I was living at home. So, you know, I don't want to lie to anyone and say, oh yeah, everyone can do it and it's super easy. There's definitely hiccups along the road with this sort of thing uh, because there's a learning curve. There are quiet months, there are bad months. And if you have people who are depending on you, this might not always work. It might work as a hobby and you might be able to swing trade while you're at your nine to five job, but it might be impossible initially to just make the full switch. It took me about a year and a half to get comfortable trading. And I probably, and I was doing that while working at the gym. And I probably could have used another year of just like working the night shift at the gym, but then trading during the day and getting experience and getting some confidence and learning how to deal with my ego and check my ego. But I got fired. Uh, if you want to guess why, it was for arguing with management um, and just butting heads with them. And eventually they were like, fuck this guy. And they fired me. Um, and so I was kind of pushed into trading. The downside of being pushed into trading, especially if you're responsible for someone and feeling uh, pressure to make the money, is that you're not making sound decisions because you're thinking, I have to make money. I have to make money because if I don't make money, uh, you know, I'm going to get, you know, evicted or I'm going to get more debt or I'm going to, my kids are going to go hungry or my partner is going to, you know, start to struggle or my parents who I'm taking care of are going to start to struggle. Whatever you have going on, if you feel pressure to succeed, you won't be thinking clearly. You'll be making panicked decisions, rash decisions, poorly thought out or executed decisions. You won't want to take losses because you already haven't been making any money this month because it's been quiet or you've racked up a couple losses and you get into another stock and it also starts to go down. You refuse to take a loss because I can't be wrong again um, because people are depending on me. And so that's why it's important to have savings. And, you know, and last part of this whole situation is I live really below my means. Uh, and I'm cheap too. So not only do I live below my means, but like, back in the day when you could go to the grocery store, if they were having a sale on anything, I, you know, I bought all of it. <laughs> uh, I remember once I was checking out at Whole Foods and uh, they were having, oh, it was it was like uh, February, oh, actually I should probably go to Whole Foods uh, uh, next month or in next week because it was Valentine's Day. And on like February 12th, they were running like the mother of all ribeye sales. Um, and I, I didn't even know. I just walked in and was like, why are they having the sale on ribeyes? And um, I loaded up. I mean, I bought way too much, but you can wrap them and freeze them. And that's what I did. I just loaded up on ribeyes and I get to the checkout and the cashier looks at me and he goes, you throwing a barbecue? And I was like, huh? No. And he was like, oh, well, just because you've got like 30 ribeyes here. And I was like, they're on sale. Like I like, look at the price. So I'm cheap. I live below my means. I'm cheap. I load up when things are on sale. Um, and, uh, and that's what I do, you know, and, and living below my means also helps because if there are bad months or quiet months or slow months, I'm not worried about it. And I'm not stressing out because when you worry and you stress, you feel 
that urge to go and make more trades because you have to, um, because your kids are depending on you or your, or your wife or your husband or your partner. And, um, and it, it makes you make poor decisions. So, you know, there's an expression on Wall Street. I know Wall Street's the enemy, but whatever. The expression is sell in May and go away. And that's usually when the executives and the hedge fund guys and the big billionaires, they, they get on their private jets and they get on their yachts and they take the summer off. May to September, October is generally pretty quiet unless something huge happens. And this might even be changing a little bit more nowadays because of the ease of trading on apps and phones and stuff. Um, but generally speaking, there are still times of the year that are very quiet. And, you know, that's just how it is. So if you need consistent guaranteed income, it's going to be harder. Now, the last question that I got asked was, how much money did you start with? I started with about $25,000. But I didn't, I wasn't making each trade with that 25, right? My, my plan of attack, which is something that I still do today, is I take all that money and I divide it up amongst or between three to five different stocks. And like I said in an earlier video, I started off as a swing trader, not as a day trader. And I, I still consider myself to be a swing trader. So the way I work is I have multiple trades lined up, multiple trades are working for me. And that way I'm selling one and then two days later I'm selling another and then a day later I'm buying this and then the day later I'm selling that. So I'm always moving out of stuff and into stuff. Um, and I use that 25 or 30 or 50,000 or whatever amount you choose, I divide it up and I also keep some in reserves for you know, for averaging in or averaging down or averaging up, or people say scaling in or scaling, you know, scaling in on a position as it's going lower. Uh, you don't also, by the way, you want to do that every single time a stock is dropping. Maybe it's a clue to get out, not put uh, good money after bad. But I would, um, I would um, always have a reserve that I didn't touch unless it was an emergency. Like I had put all my money into some other investments and then, hey, this one looks promising. Ah, I got a little bit of rainy day money over here too in my account um, for an investment that suddenly uh, appeals to me or a trade that suddenly appeals to me, but all my money is tied up in other trades that are working. Um, and um, you don't have to start with that, right? And you don't have to be a full-time trader. You can do it as a, as a, as a, a part-time kind of thing. You, you know, if you have a job that you like or a career that you like, but you just need a little bit of extra money, you can also do this part-time glancing at your phone. There's no reason that you can't be a day trader in your office in your nine to five job. Maybe if you're working retail, it's a little hard to be on your phone all the time because a manager's probably standing right behind you. Um, but it still is something that you could do as a part-time thing if you just needed a little bit extra. And I would say as well, make sure you cut your losses on those too, because if your goal is to make an extra 300 a month um, and you are in a couple of trades and they're all going south, you're tying up funds uh, and you're gonna end up with losses and they could be bigger losses if you're not paying attention to it. So that's a caution. Um, and the other thing is I was asked, um, how do you pull out your trades as, as you have bills due or how do you do that? And for me, I just have money and savings um, that I add to when times are good. I don't, I know my budget. I know how much I spend. I know what my health insurance costs, for example. <laughs> another debate or another video. 
Um, but also a downside of being a trader. There are downsides with every job. This is one uh, guaranteed income. That sucks. You don't have that. And um, the other downside and on the on the guaranteed income thing. Um, it doesn't exist. Right. So people who are like, I need to make X amount, you know, you might not make X amount. You might make close to it and you might have months where you go over. And it's important on the months where you go over to spread it out, put that money in savings instead of pissing it away on clothes or toys or gadgets or video games or whatever, because like I said, you're gonna have these months where you underperform or don't perform at all, nothing happens. Um, but I have my budget, I know what I spend, I know what my condo fees cost, I know what my auto insurance costs, I know what my health insurance costs. Um, under, under Obama, my health care was around 80 for a very long time. It was 80 and then it was 100 and 120. Um, the last couple of years, my insurance went through the roof to $350 a month with a $10,000 deductible. Pretty bad for, you know, the most powerful, richest, greatest country on earth <laughs> that, you know, I don't get insurance kicking in until I've spent $10,000. So when I tore my pec a couple of years ago and I needed surgery, I wrote a check for 10,000 and that's when everything kicked in. That's absurd. And by the way, the pec tear surgery was $58,000. So if I hadn't had uh, insurance, you know, I mean, 10,000 deductible is pretty horrifically bad if you ask me, um, but still glad I had it. Um, and cause then I would have been out 60 grand. So anyway, my insurance was 350. Now uh, it's $308 for, for this year, which is great. I'll take it. Um, but it's still expensive. And so I know what my expenses are. And like I said, I live below my means. Um, so I don't, um, I don't worry about each individual trade, right? I'm not sitting on this trade going, oh, please, oh, please, it has to go through because I have my car insurance or I have my my car payment or I have my whatever, I need the stock, I need the stock. Um, I live so far below my means and I have so much in savings because I live so far below my means and I don't have kids and I don't have a mortgage and I don't have a house in the in the suburbs that I uh, have lawn care and a housekeeping and, uh, you know, uh, two cars instead of one because I have four kids and, you know, it's all about personal choices. And for me, the personal choice of having the freedom to go and do whatever I want outweighed uh, the choice of like, I want to just, you know, have a family and have all these responsibilities. I don't really like responsibilities. I would prefer to not have them. <laughs> and so this career works for me. It might be harder if you have kids and spouses and, and, and responsibilities not impossible, just harder. And I would imagine it'll probably take a little bit more time because you've got so many other things on your plate that might make it a little bit more of a challenge. Not impossible. There are a lot of stock people who have families. Um, perhaps the other person in the, um, in the relationship has a more stable income so they can keep you afloat during the, the bad times. And when you have really good times, you can pay more. It depends on, I guess, your relationship. Uh, you could say, hey, bad month this month, you're picking up a little bit more of the bills. And then next time I have a really good month, we can balance it out. Depends, you know, I guess it depends on your own personal thing. It'll take time. Um, it, it might even, like I said, I took me about a year and a half. I could have used maybe a little bit more time because, um, because nothing like TikTok and Instagram and YouTube existed back then. So perhaps if those things had existed, 
And perhaps if there were people um, like me 12 years ago, for me, <laughs> 12 years ago version to talk to and go on TikTok and say, how come this happened or what can I learn? Um, maybe I would have learned a little faster. I don't know, uh, we'll never find out. But the, the point is it might take you longer and it might take you less time because of technology and because of people like me and the other Stock Talk people who you can ask questions to. Um, but basically, uh, I, I was fortunate to be able to live at home. Uh, I saved all of my money. I don't have student loans. I don't have any debts because I'm a minimalist. Um, and, uh, and I live below my means. And so it's not as urgent for me if I have a slow week or a slow month because I've had months in the past where I've done well and I've saved that money to get me through the bad times. So I hope that answers your question. Um, and I hope it was helpful or insightful. If you think it was, please like and subscribe and click on that little bell and all that stuff. And um, if you have follow-up questions, ask them here. Uh, if, you, if you want, ask them on TikTok. You can DM me. You can DM me on Instagram. I am swamped with DMs and messages and comments on every platform you can imagine. I've got comments on YouTube I haven't even started to go through. I spent about six hours a couple days ago. Um, I wasn't even trading that day because I was so swamped with the DMs and I am the type of person who wants to get to every single person and answer every single DM. Um, so I, I, um, I just spent like the whole day responding to DMs and answering questions until like my eyes hurt. <laughs> Um, I'm getting through it is the point. I will respond uh, to DMs. I might not see your comments. And that's the downside. If you've been following me for a long time, um, we used to have a pretty good, like people would ask questions and I would answer questions and I would do video responses and I'd be able to find the comments because I didn't have very many comments and I didn't have very many followers. And now I'm at the point where the comments are so coming in fast and furious um, that someone will ask me a really good question. And if I put my phone down and get a glass of water and come back, it's gone. I can't find it. I don't know what video they commented on. Um, I don't know where their comment is. It's gone. So for some of you, if it seems like I'm ignoring you, I'm not. Uh, and if you're watching this and you have asked a question that I did not respond to, um, I would go the DM route. Uh, and I might not see it today or tomorrow, but I'll get there. So anyway, thanks for watching and have a good night. I hope this helped.